Cabin Artists presents The Stephen James Wiley Show This program is being brought to you by Safety Net helping foster youth grow into adulthood and face the challenge of tomorrow. For more information, visit safetynetinlandnw.org. A American Septic, proudly serving Phoenix, Arizona and surrounding areas since 1953. At A American, we can pump, clean, and repair your current septic system with ease. Or we can design and install a brand new state of the art system. No matter the problem, our Cracker Jack crew of expert technicians have got you covered. Every Jack, Jill, and Diane gets a thrill when they hear the A American pump truck coming up the road. A American Septic. Find us on the World Wide Web at aamericanseptic.com. That's aamericanseptic.com. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm excited you're here. I'm excited to be here. I think we're all excited to be here. At least I hope so. I have a great guest. I've tried to get him on the show for uh, a while uh, when I had my old show that was not coming to you in glorious black and white video, uh, it was just audio and he wouldn't do it. And because um, he didn't think he was interesting to hear talk, which is just a joke. And so finally, he's here. He's a bass playing freak phenom musician, songwriter, sweetest human soul you'll ever find. Uh, if you've never heard of him, you're going to be happy you heard about this. His name is Eddie Ramirez, and I'm excited to have him uh, with me to just talk about life, talk about music, uh, where he came from. What It's a cool story. His whole, I mean, his brother's a freak musician. I've had his nephew, Azariah, on. You'll probably see a little, little uh, family resemblance there. Um and he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. So it's a, it's a thrill for me. It means a lot. He is a big part of why I'm a musician, why I write songs. Um, I've played in bands with Eddie. I've written songs with Eddie. And uh, he's a wonderful guy. And I think you will enjoy hearing him talk about life and music and uh, everything else. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to this show. It always means the world to me. And I hope you have an awesome day listening to this episode. Take care. Like is that, that kind of weird? Well, I'm kind of like looking at you and having the conversation with you, but the you that's in the monitor and not the you that's over there. Do you like the you in the monitor? The me in the you monitor? Know, it just makes me feel more comfy because I can like lay my head back and do it. Be chill rather than turning like this and feeling and feeling like, on the spot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Hey, easy for me. But man. I mean, I don't know what's going to be. If weird you want, about... I'll look at this monitor and we'll pretend we're not even hey. in the same room with each other. <laughs> that, that works. <laughs> that works. <laughs> well, here's here's a question I thought of that I wanted to ask cuz you've known you've known me, I've known you since I was 
10, tw- 12. I'm not sure, but it's, it's probably know. 30 to 35 years. Yes. Um, and you, as long as I've ever known you to exist, have been a prolific and passionate musician, bass player, um, and then ultimately a songwriter, recording artist, and now you run a full functioning hydroelectric power plant in East Spokane, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, which is yes. pretty amazing. And we're going to take a full tour and uh, take the entire Stephen James Wiley show on a tour of Dude, Up yes. Dam. We should do that. Yeah, record it all. That would be so cool. I'm serious. I, I think we'll do that. This show, we can do whatever we want, man. That's so cool. it's it's cool. And I am going to do that. Um, just for, because there's a lot of people who know you as a prolific bass player specifically. And I wanted to hear, because I don't remember, frankly, and you and I've been in bands together. We've played many shows together, um, did things at church for many years. Mm -hmm. What was the catalyst to you becoming interested in music as an individual? Okay. Well, can you remember that, that? That is a long story. Um, but I will give you the short version. Okay. But not before I have to Google what prolific means, so that way I can know <laughs> what exactly you know what, what exactly means. that means. Um. So, uh, yeah, as a kid, my dad uh, was a preacher. My mom has always sung. Uh, she sang. Uh, she's from Mexico. My dad's from Texas. But um, she sang as a little girl and grew up just singing. And her church, she comes from a church background that they don't believe in music. They believe just in singing. So their whole church thing was all about singing. So her father passed away when she was 14. And she began to start helping, uh, you know, support the family because everybody was younger than her. Um and so she would go into the cantinas and sing and and they would, you know, people would drop pesos and stuff into a little cup and she would take her little brother with her. So she had someone with her. But so she was the only one that had already a developed gift of singing and had a great ear. Uh, my dad would always play around on guitar, uh, knew three or four chords and that was it. But his timing, you know, he had terrible timing. Um, so, uh, fast forward, um, my brother, my older brother, I'm the youngest of three. My older brother started playing, uh, guitar at eight years old. Um, and he started just doing it. And then fast forward again, my dad being a preacher and wanting to have music, uh, wherever he went, he wanted to hire musicians initially. Um, but as he was praying about it, he said that he felt like God told him that, you know, I gave you these three kids, so there's your band. So he immediately went out and bought a bunch of used gear for us. And we came home from school literally and found all this gear in the living room and uh, my brother Ruben, the middle child, and me, I started off on drums the very first day. I just sat on the drums and Ruben took the bass and Johnny was already playing guitar. So um, we didn't like it. So we traded. Um, and that's kind of how we stayed. I stayed playing bass and Ruben 
played drums. Of course, we didn't know how to play. So that was, we just made noise, you know, we just kind of messed yeah. around with it. And uh, one of my dad's friends uh, came over and just taught us some basic things, you know, to play. And we were at that point, we just playing traditional Mexican music, which is pretty much like um, a polka kind of umpa kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where we were learning. Um, I had a terrible ear. I remember my brother, my oldest brother, having to constantly let me know when to change, uh, you know, because the chords had changed and I didn't know it. Um, I just couldn't hear it. Uh, so, you know, I would just try and I'd work on it. I'd work on it. And, and it really, honestly, it took this older gentleman at our church that he was a really, really good guitar player. Um, him and Johnny were playing together and I was sitting on bass and my brother would continue to tell me, you know, primera, segunda, tercera, you know, where to change, you know, when the thing, you know, when the chords would change mm -hmm. and I would get frustrated because I couldn't stay up and they would change. And by the time I got there, they were already back to another chord and, and afterwards, I was just sitting on the bench, and uh, this older gentleman takes my brother Johnny off to the side, you know, and he and he tells him, "Your brother, man, he he don't got it. He just don't have it." And um, I remember sitting there, and I could hear him, you know. So I, that was my first thought: is like, dude, I can totally hear what you're saying about me, and that you know, that's kind of mean, and. But I remember that being the beginning of, of me feeling like, okay, I'm going to show this old guy. I'm going to, I'm going to show him. So I just started my journey and, you know, playing records and trying to learn what they were playing. Uh, we weren't allowed to listen to very much stuff, but my mom and dad were both into Elvis Presley and he had some gospel records. So I remember putting on his gospel records and trying to play bass along with them. And that's, that was the beginning of starting to to play music and fell in love with it and have never left it. Wow. Yeah. And how old was that? I was uh I was 10 years old, I want to say. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've been playing bass for a long time. Many, many moons. <laughs> a long time. So when did you first when did you cuz you and your brothers started a band mm -hmm. that was outside of your dad's sphere? Yes. Right. Kind of. And you started traveling. Mm -hmm. At what point? How old were you then? I was 17 when we first left on our own. So we had already formed our little kind of rock band, Christian rock band. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we first actually left my parents, like left them, uh, I was 17 when we did that. And we started traveling by ourselves and and doing music. And then along the, along the way, we would have other guys that would join us. We'd have somebody playing keys or another guitar player or just a sound guy that would help us, you know, like a they'd help us load and unload and run sound and all that stuff. Um, yeah, from that point on, there was always at least four people in, in the bands that we had. Yeah. Yeah. And that band was called The Image. That's one of the one of the bands that we ended up that was the last band i i would say before we kind of went our separate ways okay yeah what was the one before that so we had 
originally we were just kind of like the family, the Ramirez family. Okay. That was my parents. And then we became Abarim, which was with my mom and us. And we were starting to get a little bit more progressive at that point, not too far. Um, and then we went from that, from Abarim with my mom to, which it was just called Abarim is how we, we marketed it. Um, and that was just us three with some friends, uh, a couple of guys uh, from the Yakima Valley that started playing with us. And so we were Abarim and that's, we became a rock band with that. Then we went at some point that changed to EZ entering Zion. And then that went from entering Zion from EZ to the image. And that was the last iteration of the band that we had as a, the brothers. And were your parents cool with all of it? Yeah. I Cause, mean, cause I mean, they were pr pretty conservative, mm -hmm. but and you guys, I remember you, when you came to our church, that's how I met you mm -hmm. and your brothers. And, um, and you guys were even like, you know, you had earrings and it was like a thing. We were like, Whoa. Yeah. Um, and that they, but they were cool with all that. Uh, no, I mean, not really. Oh, okay. Uh, so I think, for my parents, uh, you know, we had long hair. We had to cut our hair all the time. It was some church won't let us play because we have long hair. So we'd cut our hair and we didn't want to. If it were up to just us, right. we would have said, forget you, dude, go pound sound. Mm -hmm. um, but because of my parents, you know, they were they were just like, you know, just do it and it'll grow back and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. And we would just say, well, we're not going to change how we play, you know, because that was the next thing they were going to want us to change. Yep. Um, so we would cut our hair and do all that stuff. So my parents were like, they preferred that we didn't have it. They didn't completely like buy into all that stuff. But I think because they knew who we were, you know, mm -hmm. it's like they allowed that. Right. Um, and with the earrings and all that stuff. Um, I remember waiting until just out of re sheer respect for my parents, just waiting until I was out of the house and then I got earrings, um, and tattoos and stuff like that. Um, uh, but that was, you know, that was a big deal back then, uh, for, for people, for churches. And even, even my mother-in-law, uh, when she first met me, cause you know, we would dress all in black and, um, had a lot of that you know, tall, big hair and just all in black and looked kind of like we were mean because I was already a big guy. Yeah. Um, and so she, you know, I remember her thinking, you know, telling Kina, you know, who, who did you bring into the house? You know, who is this guy? And so, you know, um, it was always kind of a weird thing and people didn't accept it right away. Uh, but obviously once you get to know somebody and, and know that they're, who they are as people, then that starts changing stuff, you know? Yeah. But, um, we got to the point where we were not going to change anything. If they wanted us to play there, they were going to do it based on what we did. They had to uh, obviously now experience that. So some, I remember some of the like youth leaders and pastors and would send their guys to go see us at another church that were, was going to allow us to be there. Um, and once they kind of saw and experienced what we did, they were like, yeah, I think it would be good to have them. And, 
and that started kind of opening more doors and and we would spend a lot of time just traveling and touring you know all the time that's fun it was fun i mean because you were young you didn't have responsibilities that yeah. once you have them you can't hit the road like that True. and is, is that all a fond memory yeah absolutely yeah we had some even the bad times for now are good times you know yeah we got to do a lot of things got to play with a lot of people uh open up for a lot of you know ccm bands that were big you know and yeah. stuff and yeah it was a lot of fun um is yeah. that oh good no it was just all fond memories yeah is that when you so when you started doing the stuff outside of kind of your family's sphere you probably started hearing other musicians um other you know bands all this you know i don't know how or if you were secretly listening to stuff in high school where you were picking up riffs and learning stuff from other great players because that is as a young musician that's what you do you you yeah. hear the you the people who you it inspire you sure who who's the first guy who like bass player i'm just curious that hit you at whatever age that you were like i need to figure out what he does here's a, a crazy thing um we were at some church in colorado i think in colorado springs um with my parents this was when we were still traveling together i was a kid you know i don't know maybe 13 14 years old um and we were in this uh a white church, you know, I don't know how to say it. We usually played Hispanic churches. So oh, okay. we were at a, at a white people's church and, and that wasn't, that was kind of uncommon for us. I mean, we were always in the, in the Hispanic community. So that's kind of where we were always playing. But as those relationships just kind of opened up and, you know, I, I don't even remember how that one, particularly how that one happened, but we were playing and uh there was a, a guy you know and most churches had back then had their tape rooms because they recorded all their services and they had somebody that would do all the duplications you know and mm -hmm. and they would sell their tapes or give them away i don't know what they did but anyway we were kind of setting up getting ready playing through and i was remember fiddling on my bass a little bit and then this guy in this tape room calls me over i was walking by and he's like hey and I walk over there and he's like, have you ever heard of a guy named Stanley Clark? And I'm like, nope, I don't know who that is. And he's like, huh, you kind of remind me of you have some of Stanley Clarkish kind of things that you play. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I didn't know who that was. He goes, have you ever heard of Koinonia? And I said, nope. And he's like, okay. So then he grabs his tape and he puts it on this duplicator and he spins it off real quick. Then he hands it to me and he writes in pen, he writes koinonia more than a feeling, hands it to me. And uh, I'm like, thanks, you know, and so I grab my Walkman, put it in. And the first song is Abraham Laboreal. It is just like a pad holding a chord. And then you just hear this amazing bass, like intro thing that happens. Um, and I was like, who is this? Like, I never knew what they look like. I never, I wore that tape out. I would listen to everything Abraham Laboreal was playing on that tape. Like, 
just like in awe i would be like what is going on like how is that even a base you know like i yeah. i even doubted it was a base it was so good you know because i was so used to thud you know and all of a sudden you're you're hearing this cool stuff going on and so i i definitely remember that was the first influence outside in in a modern musical setting where I remember thinking, wow, that is so cool. I need to figure this out. And it actually took me a long time before I even saw what the record, what that record cover looked like and yeah. what Abraham Laborio looked like and who he was and all that stuff. And there was great musicians. And as a matter of fact, Alex Acuna was part of that band. He was, he was the, yeah. the percussionist for that band. And I got to you know, I've been blessed. I got to play with Alex Acuna, you know, and wow. and just all these cool things. But yeah, Abraham Laboreal was the the first guy. Yeah, the first guy that I can I know that I was fixated on how he played and what he did and how he did it. And yeah, you got to check out that song. It's the first song on that More Than a Feeling album. Nice, so amazing. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So, and, and some people know this, but many won't. Um, you are a huge part of why I make music and write songs. Um, because in high school, you started uh, working with me and my friend Evan Denlinger and Jake Barr and Chris Barr and Ben Delaney and all these different cats yeah. who I grew up with and uh, kind of mentored us into becoming serious musicians uh, in a way, honestly, that nobody in our world was equipped to do. Um, and actually, since I'm saying it, thank you very much for that. <laughs> it means the Man, world to me. I, it's a very I, special, I thing. feel like I'm the one that was the lucky one really to have that opportunity because I, I hear everything you guys do now and who you've become musically and just as people, um, and I'm just like, wow, these guys are amazing, you know, and just, that's nice. I feel like I'm really, I feel like I'm the lucky one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's honestly very special and Hey, we're all still alive. So we actually can still play music together because <laughs> um, we played for many years a lot. And then, uh, we've all kind of ended up in different places now, but we stay in touch and that's a beautiful yeah, thing. For sure. Um, and then you put out a record, what was it, 20 years ago? Oh, five, whatever. Almost 20 years. Yeah. And you've written many songs, great songs. You and I have co-written some stuff together. And and you primarily have been functioning out of Spokane musically yeah. uh, for the whole time since since we started doing stuff long, long ago. What is the furthest you've been away playing? Just curious. Like... You out mean, of town territory wise yeah um east coast okay i did a couple of dates with israel houghton in on the east coast um and that's probably the furthest and i think that was north carolina nice yeah oh maybe ohio uh yeah i don't know my geography kind of sucks so i'm not sure which one's further but yeah out of Everything in life, I've been thinking about this. Um, 
what do you think it is about music that you feel compelled to participate? I've asked myself this recently because, because you know, the feeling like I just need to go do this. And I've thought it's, it's if to take all the romance out of it, it's Steve needs to go make a noise and I hope it's pleasant Yeah, and other people like my noise. Yeah. But have you, have you ever thought, I'm just curious if you have thoughts about that. Like, do you feel like it's just this God breathed thing inside that it's like, it's a gift. It really is a gift Yeah, that if unattended to can almost kind of drive you mad. What do you think about that kind of thing? Do you think about that? I mean, if I were to really kind of try and dig deep and, and decipher kind of what, uh, is happening, it can get kind of convoluted because I think identity will get wrapped in it so much. Like personally, like just speaking about myself, my identity as a bass player, uh, not necessarily just as a person or a husband or a dad or anything like that, but just as a bass player, I think it's easy to want to be a part of that because that's your identity. You feel like that's where you're accepted and that's where people already know you and you feel safe there. So that aside, like I know I've had to wrestle with that where just me as a person and just be content and, and just take my identity from who Eddie is, not what Eddie does. Mm -hmm. Um, so when that's stripped away, which I've had, I've struggled through that. I've, I've been through this. Um, when that is taken away, I do notice there is a natural hunger where you want to, it's like that, that creativity does start boiling up. It, there is, it's like a teapot that mm -hmm. if you don't start using that creativity, it's going to start blowing a whistle, you know, and it'll, it'll start, you know, just building pressure and you need to, you need to release those that, you know, that creativity needs to go out and you need to do something with it. And it is. And I think it's because the way we were, like you said, it's, it is a gift. It's something that's part of who we are, how we were made, how we were designed. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how you believe, if you believe God or in God or anything like that. I think there's creatives out there that just have that creativity starts building and they just need to do something with it. And that can show up in different ways. You know, mm -hmm. creativity has no bounds. It could show up in so many different ways from, oh, yeah. um, just, you know, we, we know it because we've seen people write amazing books, people writing poetry, people, uh, art, you know, creating art, visual arts and, you know, all of, all of that, even, mechanically guys that are building cars it's yeah. creative it's just amazing you know yeah so so i feel i definitely feel like that is uh at its crux it is it's a gift that how it gives back to you is when you actually give it away yeah. and that's when it does come back to you and that's it's a reciprocal it's pretty cool it is it is. And I think when you find the moment of love for the actual creation, like that's, 
I'm obsessed with this whole thing. Uh, I'm sure all the artist people are like love Rick Rubin's new book, and I do too. It's it's the hardest book to listen to on Audible because it's really deep and his voice is it'll put you to sleep. <laughs> uh, but his whole thing about the audience comes last, mm. and when you just do the thing because you love it and you feel it deeply and you're in that moment, then it, then the best comes out. Cause you know, you and I both know when you try to create art that's for people, mm-hmm. it sucks. Yeah. But when you're playing out of your heart, then the people hear it and they love it. I think. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be the way it goes, but I, I agree. I think there's something natural inside of us. And there, uh, who is it? Mark bird. Uh, he's in hammock. Um, he said, there's, a comes a point when the time, the need to create a thing becomes so intense that you'll go toxic if you don't wow. let it out. Yeah. It'll start to be destructive to your person. And I totally think that's true. Yeah, it is. I could that's probably testify crazy. to that happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's legit. So you, what are you doing nowadays? Musically or you're playing um, with some bands or yeah. with some artists yeah. r- regularly. Yes. Yes. Um, probably the most regular person I play with, his name's Blake Braley. And um, he's excellent. Yeah. We got a record coming out, a live album that we just cut uh, in November of mm-hmm. 23. Um, the first single is coming out here pretty quick. Um, he's He's been, you know, such a, I mean, I remember meeting him, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that, close to that anyway, Um, and just thinking, man, this kid's got something, he just needs to work on it and, Mm -hmm. you know, get some things under control, but he's got something there, you know, the the bones are there, you know, and... Yeah, that raw um, talent. Yeah, 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 and so, and sure enough, he did, and... And uh, he does some amazing stuff. He's a great singer, great writer. Um, so he's kind of the guy I do the most with. I've been doing some dates with Ron Green. Me and Ron go back. Ron's awesome. Yeah, we go back to, we met, I think, back in 04, maybe 03, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was playing guitar for uh, for another artist. And I remember just having a talk with him and just saying, do you ever write anything? Do you ever do anything? And he's like, yeah, I've, you know, I've had some stuff, a couple of songs I've written. And, uh, and back then I had my own studio and I was like, dude, let's just work on something. And we did and put out, he put out his first record and, and then we followed up since then. And we just started kind of getting back to that, uh, writing some more stuff for, for a new project. We just realized that, that the last one came out in 2016. We're just like, what? Where does time Dude. fly? This is crazy. Um, so Ron Green, um, I've done stuff in town with a Latin band called Milonga, which is so much fun. I mean, that band just is a party, you know? Huge. It's like, yeah, when you start playing and the parties are, that's, you are the party. There you go, you know? Yeah. Um, so much fun. Nick Vigil, you know, he's, he's kind of the backbone of that that band and he's just another amazingly talented person. He just does so many things and he's creative and more than just music. He's an artist and, you know, does a lot of, a lot of cool things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, have done different things with local artists that are in town. Lucas Brown, 
Um, as a matter of fact, I'll be playing with him tomorrow night. Um, you know, all these people, it's just, I feel so blessed, you know, um, some of the coolest people in town I get to play with. Yeah. Um, you know, Al, Alan Stone, we just did his, his, um, field trip, you know, family field trip. And that was so much fun. And he's been so gracious and, and because of his things that he puts on and I get to be a part of that, you know, that just leads to playing for other people, you know, get, got to back up Teddy swims a couple of years ago or a year ago. And, um, and just, and he's blowing up now, you know, but just playing with Al and playing with, you know, Stephen Day and all these people, you know, so many, there's too many to, yeah. to try and name off. It's just. Well, I, everybody wants you to play with them, which is a beautiful well, thing. You know, I'm just, it's yeah, huge. I'm happy. I just, it's I appreciate special. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't take it for granted and um, I hope I can just keep doing it until I can't, until I'm dead. Yes. You know, that should never retire. That's all yeah. I ask. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm trying. No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. There's a, another, a young artist that we're just starting to do some arranging for, for her project. Her name's Tyler. And, uh, hopefully we'll get to do a complete record, at least an EP or something, but she's, she's very gifted too. And it'll be fun to, you know, learn what yeah. she does and brings to the table and working together and making something happen. So that's fun. Yeah. Do you enjoy the production side still? Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely do. You know, I've, that's the thing, you know, it's just like, um, you want to stay involved, but at the same time, you don't want to force yourself on anybody. You right. know? So there are, there are so many times that I'm just sitting listening to somebody or whatever. And I'm thinking of, so many different directions that are like, oh man, if they would just do, oh, this would be cool if they did this, you know, mm -hmm. and nobody's asking. So it's not like I'm going to go, you know, right. if you, <laughs> right. if you did this, if you did that, you know, it's, it's all subjective anyway. It's all about how you perceive things, but yeah, man, I, I absolutely still love that production side. I love arranging, you know, yeah. I think, um, uh, that's kind of one of my natural, I think instincts is that arrangement part. Yeah, I always hear changes or something, reharming a song. Sometimes I'll just do it on the fly, and yeah. and sometimes it works awesome, and other times it doesn't. You know, it's like oh, we probably should work that out beforehand. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I still love it. Good. Enjoy it. Yeah, good. It's the way it sh it's the way it should be. Yeah. Well, well lightning question for you. Top of your well, head. This is gonna hurt. Okay. But you're gonna find it. I know it. All right. What would you say, just because it's fun and I want to know, your top three or two just go-to records are? Like soundtrack of your life. Ooh. Soundtrack of my life. Not that you would even necessarily recommend anyone, but for you, you're just yeah. like, I got to hear this. This takes me to my spot. Yeah. Well, one of those is Fahrenheit by Toto. Mm -hmm. That album, like I... I know I'm going to enjoy it and I'll listen through it. You know, um, that one, uh, record probably from a guy named Russ Taff from, it was called metals. Yeah. That one just never gets old to me. I just, I just love it. His voice, dude. Oh, 
crazy good. And he still, still got it. it. He can still do it. I know. So good. Just the arrangements and all that stuff that's happening on there. Um, and probably Whiteheart, you know, the, the, uh, um, emergent, no, not emergency, which is, um, it was a hotline. The gray one with all the, oops, I just bumped uh, the freedom. Microphone. Freedom. Yes. Yes. That record. Anytime, any song that comes on that, I, I'm going to enjoy it. Yep. So those probably are the ones that come to mind. You know, I never really thought about that a whole lot. So I'm, well, and it's a tough one because moods and yeah. Well, I'm, you know, if I if I need to like feel some aggression or like yeah. I need to amp up, I'll sure. throw on some Seven Dust uh, <laughs> season. That's a good one. Yep. Really good one. Early Seven Dust. Yeah. But that's not like for me. My uh, there's a record by Hammock called Maybe They Will Sing for Us Tomorrow. It's totally mm. instrumental. Wow. And it's some of the. It's just tonal and and but it's like the soundtrack of my existence. I will probably listen to that record 50 times or more a year wow. till I'm dead. It's fascinating. To That's me awesome. Because I couldn't have predict, you know, you don't predict when a record hits you. Yeah. Yeah. And this record record has no lyrics. Yeah. So it's like you're, it's just kind of the soundtrack of the movie life you're living. And of sure. course we're all our central character. Wow. That's um, cool. Well, it's cool to me. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard it, so I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that it's probably pretty darn cool. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll hear it and be like, well, I hope you're having a good life, Steve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, I just, you know, I'm a Yacht Rock fanatic, so anything that's kind of in that, you yeah. know, anything comes on that's kind of even close to being Yacht Rock, I'm like, yeah. What is it's Yacht like, Rock? It's uh, all the stuff that's, I, I don't know how, where that term came from exactly. My own imagination is that it's the music that all these rich old guys on their yachts are listening, are listening to. to. Yacht. So if uh, Michael McDonald's seen background vocals on it's it, yacht rock. it's probably yacht rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love it though, man. Ambrosia, you know, um, there's even some new bands that are coming out that are doing it. One of them is, uh, uh, Young Gun Silver Fox. Love their stuff. Really? Yeah, listen to it a lot. I need to hear so it. So good. Yeah. But yeah, Christopher Cross, Michael McDonald, Steely Dan, all that that kind of stuff. Ambrosia, yeah. Claire. There's a lot of it out there, and I love it all. Dude, I was going to open for Christopher Cross. What? Did I ever tell you this? No, dude. In Nashville. What? And here's the thing. I didn't even have a huge reference to know, like, how cool he was at the time. I knew, like, Eddie's talked about. This is back in 2010. Wow, dude. And I was playing, like, four nights a week out in Nashville. And I was playing originals. I wasn't doing covers. I was, like, hitting it hard. I was going to do my thing. Um, and, And then that day, the Nashville floods happened. Oh. And they canceled everything and it never came I back. That and I lost gear. touch with everybody yeah. uh, from that scene. And it, and it was like, Steve could have opened for Christopher. Wow, Christ. dude. Isn't that nuts? That would have been crazy. I forget about it. And then I think that happened. Yeah. Or it almost ha- the weird almost happened yeah. things in life. Dang. But, I know. That's okay. crazy, dude. So Dude, awesome though, man. It music's fun. I love it. Now let me ask you this. How much yeah. of Christopher Cross do you know now? I don't know Jack. What? 
You don't is, know Sailing? Yeah, sailing. I love that song. Yeah. Um, is he the moon in New York City yeah, guy? Yeah, when you get lost. Yeah, yes. Yep, that's yeah. him. Think of Laura. Think of Laura. I need to dive actually oh, into man. his catalog of work. Uh, you got to know. And his voice, he had that high. Yes, he did. Clean tone. Yes. Yeah, dude. That was a thing back then. You don't hear that so much nowadays. I know. It's true. Um, But it is fun fun to hear younger bands that are capturing sounds Mm -hmm. that appeal to you. Yep. Um, Because music's so diverse now. There is no genre walls like there used to be, which is very fun, frankly. Yep. It makes for a lot of interesting music, but... um, well, dude, thank you for being on my show. Man, it's my pleasure. It means the world to me. I'm and, happy uh, to be here. It's fun. And it's fun. I like other people getting to know you, getting to hear. If you ever get to hear Eddie Ramirez play bass, do it. Uh, come to Spokane and just find out where he's at. You can find Eddie on Instagram. Follow what he's doing. 